The potential growth engine for your business might be hiding in plain sight. It's lurking in the everyday real-time conversations in and around your business. Now, in order to turn that engine on, you likely need to do some uncovering, organizing, and getting to work. Today, it's a solo episode featuring practical takeaways from my new book, The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business, here on the Manage Your Message podcast. Welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast, where professionals come for ideas and inspiration to grow. By talking about their businesses more effectively and getting lots of other people to do the same. Here is your host, consultant, professional speaker, and author, Jim Carr. Come on in and welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast. I'm Jim Carr. Usually, I'm bringing you in on a conversation with an expert guest, entrepreneur, business leader. This episode is a little different. It's actually the first of a short series with some major takeaways from my new book and ideas with some practical steps you can use to put those ideas into action and grow your business. I'll offer a little background on what drove each section, but really it's more of the how-to and a few things maybe behind the scenes, some background of what drove each section and why I thought it was useful to put certain things in the book, again, in ways that I think are very practical and in ways I've seen other professionals and teams and organizations get very good business growth results from them. Now, you might be a solo professional, a small business owner, the director of an association or nonprofit, or a leader in a big organization. In any case, the everyday conversations in and around your business matter a lot. For many of us, it's the key to growing our business, especially if you aren't looking to fundamentally change your business model or your pricing structure or distribution strategy or even the people in your business. In this series, the first chapter of the book gets its own episode. It's titled, Your Message Can Be Your Business Advantage If It Isn't Hiding Somewhere. And in that first chapter, I set the stage for why this is such a major opportunity and also a major frustration for so many professionals and business leaders. The overarching data point and opportunity that's in front of all of us. Offline conversations are far more common for word of mouth than are the online ones, even in this digital age. That doesn't mean the digital stuff, the social media, the online ratings and reviews, web marketing, search, all of that. Not that it isn't important. It is. In fact, we really want consistency between the digital and the analog conversations and messages that we have with our businesses. But the numbers are pretty clear. In fact, one of the main data points that I quote in the book is from Jonah Berger. He's a Wharton professor and author, speaker does very good research work, and he looked at word of mouth across different industries and where it happens. And you might think that in this digital age that the digital word of mouth is increasingly important and maybe becoming more important than the offline stuff. What he finds is that even these days, more than 90% of word of mouth happens offline. It makes sense if you consider where offline conversations happen and the fact that they aren't trackable. They aren't codified and set in digital form and retweeted and shared. They happen in the hallway 
in your neighborhood, at a house of worship, at a tailgate, in a meeting room, wherever people have natural conversations every single day about their work and their experiences and what they buy and gifts that they give to people, all those manner of things that come in buying and selling in our day and age. So the offline conversations are more prevalent. They're also more impactful. People tend to place more importance and value on those sorts of conversations, in large part because of all the things that real-time face-to-face interactions offer. You can ask questions and answer questions, share stories, examine body language. You can demonstrate your empathy and understanding. And so it's more prevalent and also more impactful if you can get a handle on those everyday conversations happening in and outside of your business. And yet, what I tend to find in the work that I do and the groups to whom I speak is a lot of frustration and misunderstanding and lack of confidence. Tim Pollard, one of our previous podcast guests, had one of the rather arresting data points on this. He deals with a lot of business-to-business, high-level sellers and selling teams. They're dealing in high value solutions and products. So people who know what they're doing and they have to make a, a pretty good business case for what they're doing. He asked the group of people that he works with on a regular basis, those sellers, their confidence on a scale of one to 10, the confidence in what they have to sell and the messaging behind what they have to sell. Their confidence level is pretty high on what they sell, more than eight. The confidence level on the messaging behind it, less than four on average. So there's a big gap. Professionals of all stripes should feel eager to share the message of what they do and why and whom they help and and how it benefits customers and communities. And yet the everyday message of the business often holds them back more than it propels them forward. It seems to me that some of the most informed, invested, and passionate people are the ones who get the most frustrated why can't we have people get it? How can we stand out above the noise? Do we need to educate the market? That seems pretty hard. How can we just engage folks so that they will understand and appreciate what we do? People are certainly talking all the time. So why not about us? And why not in a way that will help us grow? And we can sometimes see others who seem to have it together. They're people are on the same page internally. Their customers or members and friends of the business on the outside, likewise, they have consistently positive things to say. They're eager to share. They have raving fans, as some of our other podcast guests have talked about, people like Matt Collier. So what's different about those professionals, those teams, those companies, those who appear to have cracked some sort of code are the people and teams I call message managers. And what I found in both my practical experience and in the research for the book is that it isn't that mysterious. A lot of very competent people don't see themselves as being message managers or even being capable of being message managers. But guess what? That's not the case. You don't need special knowledge. You don't need extraordinary skill. You certainly don't need to be of a certain personality type. There's no particular training or certification involved. It just involves when I found some clear ways of thinking about it and structuring the way that you and people in your business can talk about the business. But it's tough. 
It's tough out there. There's not a great starting point for many of us. The world can seem as it is just conspired against us. The world, when it comes to messaging and communication, marketing, it's turning faster. More media channels, more time that people spend with social media, even programs like TV shows and movies we found in our research. Those programs are using shorter scenes, more motion. It looks like people's attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. How can we get people's attention? How do, can we have them interested? How can we rise above all of that noise? There's also changes in how people work, which makes it very difficult to build consistency, to build the right culture and habits around sharing that message. People are working more virtually. They're working on different schedules in different locations. And certainly, we have generational challenges. People in different generations have different communication styles and preferences. So how can all of that fit together? What is a business professional or leader to do? Well, that's the setup in chapter one. And here's what I recommend we can talk about here briefly in this episode of the podcast. First, simplify what business messaging entails. What does it mean? What are we talking about and where you might need to most focus your efforts? Second, let's consider the right approach to use. Do we script this out for people? Is it a heavy-handed dictatorial approach? Or how much latitude do we give people? Do we sacrifice consistency if we do it that way? We'll address that. There is an approach that works well I found in almost any scenario. And third, let's identify the business outcomes and the growth metrics most important to you so that you'll know whether the effort that you're expending is having the impact that you want it to have. So let's take each of these fundamental steps in turn. Let's start with considering a very simple model of what business messaging entails. We're focusing here on those real-time messages, those conversations that are coming from your leadership. could be your sales team, account team, service and installation teams. Don't forget about the so-called back office, all of whom are connected to the outside world. Uh, Think about your current customers, alumni, friends in the community. All of them are potential messengers. Let's get a backstory here on what I present in chapter one, what I call the message management model. It's a a bit of a three-legged stool. How it developed and why it seems to make so much sense goes back, for me, several years ago. I was attending a conference of consultants. It was put on by the great Alan Weiss, who's probably the best solo consultant ever. And I was in a session led by uh, Constance Derricks, who I've not met. She has subsequently become a friend and has been a guest on this podcast. Constance has a consultancy that tends to focus with boards of directors and leadership teams around messaging and management, around uh, mergers and acquisitions. So she has that very high-level niche focus. And she was talking about how to represent yourself and what you do as an expert consultant and ways to get people to kind of organize their IP and their ideas. She got a question, not for me, but she got a question about topics for blog posts, topics for positioning themselves. And Constance did something I thought that was very, very smart in the moment. She said, 
here's what I would have you do. If you have a domain of expertise, something that you know about, think of the three things that are most important to success. And then she drew this Venn diagram of three overlapping circles on a flip chart. So the first thing is, what is it that you know to be important? Because And these things are likely related. And then you can think about what happens in the areas that don't overlap. So if you had elements A and B, but C was missing, what would that be like? What would the symptoms be like? What would that feel like to someone running a business? And there's a lot of logic to that in cognitive psychology, by the way, the rule of threes. It's not that you want to shoehorn everything into a list of three, but there's a lot of psychology behind our ability to remember and articulate things that are in groups of three. So I thought, let's start there. And as I thought about it, when it comes to this whole world of messaging and my background in research, in management as a chief marketing officer, in my world working with sales teams and business leaders, seeing a, a number of things from different perspectives over the years, I thought, well, it's pretty simple, really, when it comes down to it. There are three parts to good everyday business messaging. There's the message itself. So what do we say? What do we show? How do you tell a story? How do you represent a complex idea in a simple way, perhaps visually, perhaps through words? So the message is certainly one part. You got to have the thing to say. There's the people involved, and I came to call them messengers. If you want something to be shared, how do you get those people to remember it, articulate it, be motivated, be skilled, and be confident in doing that? And then the piece that holds the message and the messengers together are management habits. If you're running an organization, this is a process. It's a process for developing the message. It's a process of training and development, of reinforcement, of knowing that when people inside the business change roles, perhaps they take a management position for the first time and they have direct reports, they now become a coach and a model for that message. So they need some extra training and support and reinforcement themselves. Much like other cultural elements inside a business, it needs priority and it needs reinforcement. And I thought, oh, you know, that makes sense. The three elements are the message, the messengers, and the everyday management habits that will keep this together and tight and consistent. And then following the recommendation that Constance had, think, well, what happens when one of those elements is weak or missing. What is that like? And I thought, well, it relates to things that I see and that probably you see every day in the business world. If the message, for example, isn't good or distinct or clear, then you don't stand out. You're not seen as a clear winner. You're not seen as distinctive among buyers who might either do it themselves or buy from somebody else. You become, in a word, a commodity. You're one of many. And that's very easy to have happen over time, by the way. If we don't know what to say, we tend to fall into industry lingo. We tend to fall into complex language. We're not really telling a story. We're not being engaged. So if the message isn't strong, then unfortunately, you as a business, you as a professional are seen as not different from anyone else. You are a commodity. Then I moved on to the messenger piece and thought, well, what happens when 
messengers aren't really engaged. In other words, you don't have a lot of other people who are knowledgeable, skilled, and confident in helping share that message. What happens? Well, I see that oftentimes is it's a real growth challenge. Oftentimes, the leader of the business or the sales leader or a few specific people are having to carry a disproportionate share of the load. And what happens there is you can't scale. I thought back to my childhood growing up in South Georgia. And when not much was happening, you can hear the crickets chirp. That's become a, an analogy uh, often in, in business and show business and the like. The crickets are chirping because not much is happening. So I thought if commoditization is a problem with a lack of message, the crickets, that's a symptom of the problem when you don't have enough messengers properly equipped and motivated. And then finally, what about the management piece? I thought back to a noteworthy quote I got one time from a consulting client. The manager involved was talking about how across the sales and account teams that there was a real lack of consistency. Around here, he said, everyone just rolls their own. Consistency, the lack of consistency is one of the symptoms that I hear, one of the frustrations that I hear most often from leaders. They know the benefits of consistency and they're frustrated when everyone is either telling their own story or not really saying much of anything at all. If everyone is saying things in their own way going according to their own script and their own preferences, then you have what I heard someone else describe as a cowboy problem. In other words, people who are acting autonomously, they have a cowboy mentality. I'll do it my way. I know my part of the business. I know what works. So there I was with this three-circle, three-legged stool of message, messengers, and management, and then symptoms of problems in each of those, which I came to call commodity, crickets, and cowboys. The more I worked with this and the more I talked to other people about it, tested out with them, seemed to make a lot of sense. It was clarifying. They go, oh, I get it. It helps me to understand not only what will be the keys to success, but also if there's an area within my business and within my activities that I should address first. What's the low-hanging fruit, so to speak? Am I dealing with more of a commoditization problem? And there are different indicators of where that might be the case. For example, if your win rates are low, if you're not seen as distinctive or a preference in surveys or among customers and prospects, is the problem seen to be more of crickets? And that certainly shows up in growth metrics, whether you're looking for net new business, more business from current customers, or some combination of those. Or is there a consistency problem? That's one that we can see number of indicators all the way from lack of trustworthiness to the frustration that an executive feels when it says, no one around here knows our value proposition. We know that we're missing out on opportunities. By the way, a little later, I went back to Constance. This was a couple of years later and thanked her. I told her about this model I developed based on the structure she had. She told me, Jim... I don't even remember doing that. I said, well, you did. It was actually very helpful. And I've used that sort of model in advising other people as well. I said, Constance, where did you first hear it? She said, I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm sure I heard it from somebody smart. So there you have it. I have that model in the book and it's a simple structure again, 
but it helps to take something that seems fast moving, complex and squishy and gets it into a manageable structure and a way for us to diagnose where you might have the most opportunity for change and the most opportunity for improvement. A second thing I recommend that you do at the very outset is to consider your approach. So maybe you see this model and you even have a sense of what you might need to tackle first. Well, how do you do that? I know that some people will say, well, look, on the one hand, people are going to say what they're going to say. And I'm not going to try to over-engineer this sort of thing. I mean, why can't we just let the best message win? We'll test everything. We'll let people do their own thing out. If we have a direct selling model or a partner selling model, and then we'll, we'll find out what happens. On the other side of the spectrum, they could say, look, I demand consistency. We need to script this down to the last detail. I don't think either extreme works very well in practice. I certainly haven't seen it that way. If you don't provide enough guidance or enough structure, you'll never get past the inconsistency problem. On the other hand, if you try to over-engineer it, over-script it, what's likely to happen? Well, where I have seen people try that approach, their very best people have pushed back the hardest. It's not very respectful if you take someone who has good customer relationships or has expertise in what they do, and then you say, I want everybody to say exactly the same thing. The best approach I found lies a bit in the middle, but with structure. It's a playbook approach. There are a lot of interpretations of exactly what a playbook means, but certainly the overall conceptual approach is pretty common in business today. For business messaging, I think playbooks include a number of specific tools, bite-sized talking points, how to engage customers, how to share stories, how to convey the things that make us unique, how to convey the benefits of working with us. If you have a playbook that's properly constructed, then it matches the styles of different people. It's tailored to different types of conversations that you'll have in the business. And it's something that provides structure, but also latitude. And I'll talk more in a later episode about the specifics and my recommendations for how you actually construct a playbook and whom to involve in that process. Suffice to say that there are some things to get past when folks have some misconceptions about what a playbook might be. So first of all, it's not a rule book. This is not the processes and procedures employee handbook approach. It's not like the owner's manual for your vehicle, which no one reads anyway. So this isn't about how people sign up for uh, flex time or vacation time. This has got to be specific to messaging and conversations. The second thing that playbooks are not, they're not libraries. They're not a place to dump a bunch of product material or information or sales collateral. That can happen lots of times. And to some extent that can help. At least there's a central place to find stuff. But anyone that's ever lived in a house for a long time, you know what happens to the attic after a while. Things are there and, and you kind of forget what you have and there's no guidance on what to use in different situations and things get not updated and they get stale. That's not what we want. A good playbook is a guide for specific conversations tailored in the right way for the users and it's kept refreshed and updated along the way. People know where to find things. 
They have some guidance on how to use them, and there's intentionality about keeping it fresh and updated. A final recommendation about managing your message and whether and how it applies to you and your business. Thing is, identify the actual business outcomes and growth metrics most important to you. We all need to get set on why managing your message should be a priority and how you'll know if you're making progress. Because if this isn't a priority and you don't have good metrics in place, there's not a good reason behind it. Well, how many of us really need more busy work to do? At the end of the chapters in my book, I have what I call a manager moment with some specific guidelines and some uh, specific recommendations of things you can do to take the learnings from that chapter and apply them. The manager moment that I have at the end of chapter one gets to this very notion. Before you get into the tactics of it is to think specifically the value of messaging to you professionally and to your organization. So I want to think about what is a goal or a business function, where you are today, what's a good goal for you, where it could be, and what would be the value to the business without getting yet into the tactics of the conversation or which stories to tell or what makes the differentiator for your business. So for example, you might have a goal about selling more of a product portfolio to existing customers. Today, maybe there's a fairly small percentage of your customer base that buys more than one thing from you. What would be a reasonable goal over the next six to 12 months about pushing that percentage upward? And what value would that mean to the business in terms of customer retention, certainly in in revenue and some other important metrics? That's a specific conversation that would tie into that, conversations with existing customers about things that they're not buying from you or not using from you today. Alternatively, maybe you're trying to accomplish some internal objectives and the message matters. For example, a client, one that I referenced later in the book, we're trying to get new hires productive more quickly, in large part by understanding the totality of what the business does and what drives growth in the business. A lot of companies... They train on very specific jobs, sometimes on products, but they took a look at this and saying, what if everyone had a clear sense of what we offer and why and who would be an ideal customer for us and what are the tangible benefits that customers get from us? If they could hit that goal, it would have at least two very important areas of impact. One, on the inside, higher employee engagement, which is something that the company tracked and they found to be very important. The other would be productivity in the sales and service efforts, get to revenue faster, get to productivity faster, and had a number of of metrics around that. So my recommendation there is think about the business problems and opportunities you have. What role does messaging play? And then if that seems like a good idea, then we can start engineering the right sorts of conversations, putting together the right messengers and the right messages and the right habits to follow. Those are some of the keys and takeaways from chapter one. Chapter one and the introduction to the book, by the way, are both available for free at jimcard.com slash books. We put good money into that. You don't have to. The full deal is available wherever and however you prefer to buy and consume books. You can certainly find us on Amazon, Indie Books, Barnes & Noble, 
The audio version is available, Apple Books, Audible, just a range of options for you. However, you prefer to consume business books and other books. As for the podcast, in the near term, I will have three more solo episodes on takeaways from the book, one each for the specifics of message, messengers, and management. Plus, we have some interviews completed with several more very interesting guests. We have Christopher O'Donnell, who's with HubSpot. He's a leader in the product management community worldwide. Brent Adamson with Gartner. He was the co-author of The Challenger Sale and The Challenger Customer. And he has a lot of new stuff coming out that uh, you're going to be hearing a lot about in high-level sales thinking. Rob Gallows, an expert in customer loyalty and more. So most of our format will continue here really soon in doing expert interviews I really appreciate your support of the Manager Message podcast. We have grown to having listeners, last I checked, in something like 14 different countries now. I would personally welcome a connection with you on LinkedIn or other ways that I might be able to be a sounding board or be a help to you. And I'm happy to talk about bringing this message of growth to your conference, association meeting, leadership retreat, any other gathering where growth is at the top of the agenda. You can email me directly at jim at jimcar.com. My direct mobile number is also on the website, jimcar.com. Again, appreciate your support. Would really appreciate a five-star rating and review if you haven't done so already. That does help other professionals to find the podcast. And if you subscribe, again, if you haven't already, you will not miss an episode. It will come to you and you can listen in and use it at your convenience. Until next time, message managers, thanks for joining the conversation. Thanks for joining us on the Manage Your Message podcast with Jim Carr. You'll find show notes and other resources at managermessagepodcast.com and jimcarr.com. Please help us serve you and other message managers by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing this podcast. And connect with Jim on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Jim Carr. Until next time, we hope your business message is shared well and often.